Uh, yeah, you've said a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to say a bit more. Yeah, but you me. gave the floor to me. You said, you know, fill your boots. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the CPD Show with me, Amanda Wilson. And it's me, Cleon Wilson. Hello. And this week, we are on summer holidays. Well, I'm on a summer holiday anyway. I've started my summer holidays. Well deserved. Well done. Well done. Thank you. It's been a, an interesting year. It's been a long year. It's been... A productive year, I think. Yeah, productive. And it's not been a year that I expected when I went for my job interview this time, no, March last year for my headship. And I was never asked the uh, question, what would you do in a pandemic? It didn't come up in Mm. the interview questions. Why not? Well, maybe they just left that one off. Maybe they thought, you know what, this is a bit too outrageous. They won't yeah. kind of go there. It will never happen. It will never happen. I thought it would never happen. Even when I was writing my business continuity plan in November mm. and I got to the pandemic bit, I'm like, yeah, okay, pandemic. Is that on there? Yeah. What, yeah. as a standard thing? I didn't, yeah, I yeah the one, there. the template that I used, I had it on there. But I thought, you know what, <laughs> what, are the, what are the chances yeah. of um, a pandemic happening? But that has wow. actually kind of taught me a lesson because now... Part of that is on part of that plan. It talks about lockdowns mm. in schools, and I know it's had to happen in schools, but it's made me kind of think. Right, I will make sure one of the first things I'm going to do on my inset day in September is go through the process of a lockdown so that we're ready. Yeah. What yeah. you mean, as in terrorist type lockdowns? Yeah, yeah, ter- yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, like obviously when um, in my previous school I wasn't there at the time, but when yeah. Lee Rigby and all that kind of thing oh, happened. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. So you kind of got to be ready, but that's all part of leadership. All part of leadership. Welcome uh, to leadership, as you yeah, used to indeed. say. Yeah, indeed. Do you and, still say it? Well, no, I've got no one to say it to now, really. And oh, I don't no, really no, have okay. this. It's not quite the same because <laughs> the individuals that I had to say it to, it's not kind of the same dynamic, so okay. it's not as important. But it's a nice segue into today's show. It is it. And I've always wanted to use that word. I know, I can tell, <laughs> I can tell. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Thank you. So, did I cut you off? No, because no, I kind of said the phrase you, I wanted. <laughs> you got out your segue and now it's over to I me. Did. Okay, so, um, yes, in this show, we want to talk about career development. Mm. So, you know, climbing the greasy pole, going up the corporate ladder. Greasy pole? Yeah, I think greasy pole. I don't know. I think that is a term. Okay. We'll go with it. Breaking through the glass ceiling. Breaking through the glass yeah. ceiling. Yeah. You know, smashing into... Well, yeah, you get the... Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got <laughs> yeah. T- I've gone too far. That'll be edited out. Anyway, it, so... No, way, it won't, because, you know, people just need to see the kind of things that you try and it fail at. Not many things that you fail at, honey, I'd say. The thing is, failure, I don't see failure as a doom and gloom, oh, you failed, you failed, you failed, you fell over. <laughs> you no, fell over. I don't see it as that. I see failure as an event, and it's a segue, potentially, to, <laughs> <laughs> to success, to positive areas, to learn, to reflect, to be better, to be stronger, to be faster, okay, this is, to be richer. Focus, anyway, no, let's, let's go back. Okay, let's, back. Yeah, let's go back in path. all seriousness. Yeah. So career development. career development, as it pertains to education particularly. Yes. Your Let's talk about your career development and where you've got to over the last, I think, seven years? Seven years or do. 2014, I think, I started this leadership journey. Or maybe even before that, when I was an ICT coordinator at my previous yes. school, maybe that's where it you all do started. Like talking about that. I do, because I, I really enjoyed the role. But my most recent kind of senior leadership, I think, if we talk about that and focus on that. So I became a deputy head teacher in 2014. My I'd worked for a private company before that. So I used to work for a company called RM Research Machines, and they did all IT and education. And I was a consultant, and they were making lots of redundancies at the time, and I thought... They went through probably two rounds of redundancies and then I think they were due to go for another. 
or no, they went through two rounds, and I thought rather than me wait for the next one, let me just do something about it. Basically, let me jump before <laughs> I'm pushed, type yeah. thing. I spoke to my line manager at the time, and I said, you know, this is what I'm planning. I'm going to go back into school as an assistant head because I'd come out as a class teacher. But yes. I thought, you know what, let me go in as an assistant head, next at least at that level, yeah. Especially with my experience in IT technology, that mm. kind of thing. You know, I had something to, a bit more to bring to the table. In that role, I had had to do observations, work with an, an improvement partner. So I had that leadership aspect that I could, you know, put into my CV. So she said, oh, you know, I've got a friend who has got a school and they're doing different things at the moment. So they're looking for a deputy head. And I'm like, okay, Mattio. So she put my name forward, went for the interview, very competitive interview, and I got the job. So I started as a deputy head, never done the role before, been out of school for about five years. So I had missed quite a chunk of the change in the educational landscape, the development of assessment uh, level that kind of thing which mm. I just about managed to get to grips with but obviously it moved on a lot and I'll admit when I went for my interview one of the things that I knew that I wouldn't be able to do very effectively was the whole assessment side of things because okay. I knew that you, you have to be in it and you have to be able to do it at the time especially to get, really be able to get to grips with it and analyze the data and that kind of thing and what was useful was that in preparation for my interview I was a governor, school governor at our daughter's school, and the head teacher there helped me prep for the interview. And I think that's okay. really, really important is kind of getting someone to help you prep. So she yes. talked me through some interview questions. She read through my application, my, um, my, my, what's it called? Supporting statement. Yes. So she read through that, gave me some tips and pointers, kind of briefly talked about the assessment side, but secondary and primary, kind of a, bit, a little bit different, but still aspects that I could bring in with me but I knew during the interview that that was a part where I just bombed out completely and I didn't even try to hide it was it like a data task or something yes well there was yeah it was a data task but it was a a joint task so there there were three other candidates and we had to put a present we had to all first of all interpret the data individually then come back together and decide what what were the key points that we needed to to bring across and then present it so I my role was just introducing each of the segments kind of saying and this person can talk about this and this person can talk this and I briefly <laughs> talked yeah, about uh, and there was a brief and there was a, there was a brief bit that I was able to say talk about some aspects but it wasn't the kind of way you know yeah you were not front and center but clearly my my enigmatic personality my collective worship my lesson mm. and other bits in the actual interview itself and my honesty because in the interview side side of things and there was the the two head teachers there was a chair of governors and there was the head of school from the other school that I would have been working alongside right and one of the last questions was anything else you want to tell us blah blah blah. and I was honest and said you know I know that that data and assessment is my weak point but I'm willing to learn yeah and and I I think think that kind of that then helped me because when I got into the role and started the job one of the executive head teachers that was she really did work alongside me with that and because she had a passion for assessment yes a real a passion for assessment I mean can't get anyone more well you can actually the person I'm working no, with now has got a passion you yeah can. I, I, um I've got a couple you got a couple in the bag, yeah. yeah and actually now I do have quite a passion for assessment and I do enjoy interpreting you know graphs and data and, and looking at it but is there my deputy head at the moment is more of a passion she loves all the because she's a so, maths freak so okay so this, I just want to talk about so 2014 you say yeah yeah 
So if I'm not mistaken, that was the year that the curriculum changed. If I'm not yes. mistaken. Yeah, so that was yeah. just the year before yeah. Yeah. I started training at primary. So there's obviously the curriculum yeah. that you had to battle with, the new curriculum assessment, as you said. That was a new thing for you, plus going for a role two levels up, if you like, if, if you want to call them levels. Um, so beyond assistant headship, which in your mind you wanted to do. Yeah. So that, you know, there was a lot of things to negotiate and find your way through. Yeah. How did you, you spoke a lot about in the run up to the interviews or the whole assessment process. Yeah. Obviously, well done, you got the job. But then into the job, how did you then kind of see your way and navigate your way through that? Because your brand sort of rebrand you back into school again. Yeah, I mean, the curriculum side of things wasn't such an issue because as a school and federation, they'd already worked on the curriculum. Oh, okay. So it was yeah. pretty much, well, it was done. So my, my the key thing for me, and I guess the the my my task, if you for want of a better term at the time, was because the, the executive head teachers were starting this federation and they'd been in a soft federation with the school that I was working in pr- prior to. Oh, okay. yeah. And then in the in the September, it became a hard federation. Uh, so that was just the start of their empire, mm. for want of a better term. And my role really was to bring the school, not more in line, but bring it... Because they'd the school that I was at you know, hadn't been doing too well over the years. And they'd just about scraped through the Ofsted the year before. So there was a lot of work still to do with the okay. school. And my role really, I think, was about bringing it all together and enabling a kind of sense of confidence to, to, to build back in the school. Yeah. And for people to start working in, in conjunction with each other. And, and really, I think the school that I came that I went to compared to the other school, which was an outstanding school, was seen as a bit of like the poor relation. Yes. And there was that stigma on it. And it was about recognising that, you know what, we've got something good here as well. We've got great staff, lovely children. Yes, there are some issues, but issues everywhere. And it was just bringing all that together. And that's where my leadership really came into the fore, is, is bringing all that together, bringing the systems and processes into, into play, because I think that was something that needed development and that helped as a federation level as well. And that's where myself and the other head of school worked well together because I was very much systems and processes. He was very much curriculum. And so we worked really well together from that aspect and one of the other deputies that was there at the time. So I think I was able to put my stamp on the school through my my people skills. I see, I see. That's, that's, That's really good, really interesting. So you've mentioned that one tip at least so far that I can sort of pull out from what you were saying. Yeah. And that was to have someone look over your CV, look over your supporting statement and help you in the interview process. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to... I mean, this goes for any job, to be fair. Yeah. If you're going to go for a job, you need to not just rely on yourself. You need to kind of yes. go to... You need to, that's that when the whole mentoring thing comes, come, comes into it. Yeah. Because I think your supporting statement is a pivotal part of the whole process and that can either get to get an interview or not get an interview yeah because if your supporters so the key thing about supporting statement is that it says please tell us why you're mm, suitable for the job but referring to the person specification and job description and very often yeah. people don't do that people don't look at the job description they kind of think okay cut and paste an old one yeah yeah they think okay yeah. let me just say what i think they want to hear Whereas actually, one of the key things that I learned was you've got to refer to the specification and make sure that your statement links to, because if they're going through, especially for senior leadership, senior leadership roles, they'll generally 
have a, a marking scheme. What's yes. it called? Uh, they have a, not a criteria, but a, um, I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. So they will go through. Yeah, they follow through it. Yeah, they? so they will have a, a sheet there and they'll tick off how your supporting statement links to the person specification. That in the person specification, it might mention that, you know, you have to have experience with assessment. You have to have mm. led a whole school initiative. You have to have shown that you've developed people. And if they can read that in your support supporting statement, and that's a tick, 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 tick. Because if they've got two application forms that are very similar in terms of level of experience and the number of schools that they've worked at and the roles that they've had, but the supporting statement gives more information, then that person who can tick off more of the list from the from the person spec than the other person's you know it's more likely to tip you over the edge of being able to get an interview and I think one of the key things and I learned this from I think I might have learned it from my current is either my current yeah it was my current no it wasn't my current head it must have been maybe the previous head but they were saying when you're writing a support system statement the key things really is to follow the structure of the person spec yeah because then it makes it easier for whoever's reading through your application to see okay and and i think on that as well a good interviewer will will take that statement obviously would have done their research looked at your cv looked at your statement or application form depending how the process works for that particular organization and they will pull out some things from your statement from your application that you mentioned in terms of their question or their follow-up question And, and i've experienced that in in good interviews they will pull that out and of course that, that then leads to the question or the, the, the point where you should be very honest about what you have and haven't done. Of course, you might add more to it and say what you've achieved and all that kind of stuff. But if it's just made up embellishments and lies, then you could just be, you could come up a cropper. So. Yeah, and I think also, because it's interesting you say that, because I went on some HR training recently, I say recently, sort of before COVID. And one of the things that they were saying, we were talking about the interview process and they were saying that, actually what you should do is keep all your questions the same so you shouldn't really be doing unless you want to clarify something someone's written in their application Mm. like you know you think okay that person says that they've been working at this place for three years but here it says they've been working for four years that's when you clarify but in order to get a a consistent i know i'm not i'm not i'm not not saying that it would be different for every candidate of course you can't then measure how every candidate yes yeah yeah no no, i agree yeah so and we kind of mentioned this, I think we did anyway, a while back when we spoke about mentoring and mentorship for professionals. And I think the whole idea of having what I would call a sponsor. Yeah. So someone who might know someone, for example, your your ex-colleague knew the executive head teacher. Yeah. And then was able to kind of give a bit of a recommendation on who you are, what you've done, and, and can kind of vouch for you, so to speak, yeah. as a potential consider this person type thing but of course you got through it on your own merit and your own work and and your own qualities but I think having that sponsor having someone who can mentor you who's maybe senior within your school or within your academy or federation or someone you might know across another school is really powerful because again that can be someone who isn't so um maybe you don't know so well or doesn't know everything about you but they're removed enough to be able to give you some valuable judgment and, and be able to critique you, I guess, a lot of the time to help you be better. Yeah, and I think, like what we were saying last night when our friends were around, at the end of the day, you know, you've got somebody who's given you the opportunity to get in the room, and this person's opened the door for you to get in the room, and what you do once you're in the room is entirely up to you, because if you don't perform well on the day of that interview, then 
as well as that person Absolutely. could, you know, yeah. say that you're the bee's knees and what have you, they need to be able to see that as well. Yeah, they do. And they I think do. that's one of the, talking about going for senior leadership, okay. one of the things that I've come across quite a few times is when you're going for promotion internally, candidates can often make the assumption, oh, they know me already, so I don't need to try and, you know, really show what I've done. Yes. But you need to, if, if you're going for an interview and it's an internal promotion, and you are, even if you've known the head teacher or the deputy head, whoever's interviewing you for years and years and years, you need to assume they don't know you. You need to assume they don't know what you've done. And so your application needs to be a real picture of everything that you've done that relates to the role that you're going to. Don't just say, well, they were the ones that asked me to do it, so they know it already. Don't just give a one line, I led, I led on the assessment changes. What does that mean? What was the impact? Very often when you're writing a supporting statement, you have to identify what you've done, but also, most importantly, what the impact of what you did was. Impact, impact, impact is really key. And when you're going for an internal interview, very often you can forget about that bit. Even when you're sitting in front of the panel, again, very often I've seen people just assume that, you know, you don't see that personality, you don't see that individual, and they just assume, well, they know me. Why do I need to try to exert myself and and press because they know what I'm capable of it doesn't matter you need to be able to show yourself in your best light regardless of who you're sitting in front of absolutely true and there's a a mnemonic that is fairly well known but not necessarily everyone knows it which um, is called STAR S-T-A-R and that stands for situation task action result so that is a a mnemonic you can use in the interview process to help you prepare to answer questions now of course you may Let's not repeat know that again sorry i'm gonna explain it so you may not know what questions you're going to get and most of the time you don't know but there are some typical questions type questions that you might get in an interview so situation task action and results so Star. someone may ask you in an interview tell me tell me a time when you had to um, deal with a challenging situation yeah which is quite a sort of typical interview yeah, question yeah. so then you'd briefly explain the situation that happened you then say maybe the task or activities that were involved in that situation that you led on or that you were part of, any actions that underpin that. So it might be the group task or a group situation or a piece of work, but you've got to be specific about what you've done because you're, you're showing the best of yourself and this is a job that you were going for. And then after that, it's then the results. So, so it's a so what situation. So, okay, you've done this, this and this. You carried out all these things. What impact did that have? Now, it may not have been a financial improvement or or betterment for the company. It might have been customer satisfaction was improved or in terms of the students or the parents or in terms of your colleagues. What kind of tangible result came out of that? And it may be, you may want to throw in some numbers or some statistics. I think they sound quite nice um, in interviews, but don't go crazy. But um, I think it's important to remember to keep your answers very focused and to keep them very sharp and precise situation task action and result and it does work that is uh yes i like that i like that mnemonic and i think it's important using that mnemonic to make sure you prepare and i think that's really one of the most uh, another important prerequisite when you're going for promotion yeah um so so there are some other tips that um i want us to kind of get in there well i've I've got a few anyway to add hang on so one before we go there before we go there sorry what i was going to say with regards to the star mnemonic is in your preparation for your promotion, make sure you have and, and prepare some of those key examples beforehand. Because when you're in the midst of an interview, 
very often your mind can go blank. Yes. And it's fine, it's absolutely fine to have things written down. It's actually yeah. absolutely you can bring in fine notes and to ask bring the questions notes. to be repeated. Yeah, exactly. It's not an issue. And I think sometimes yeah. you, you may feel that it might go against you if you do that. But nobody, you know, in that stressful situation, and, mm. and you know, trust me, I've you know been in, in a few, in that stressful situation where you've got how many sets of eyes staring at you and they're asking you this question and you're you're trying to find that that really good example in the recesses of your mind. You know it's there, but it's just not coming as straight away as you want it to. If you've got quick sort of notes or keywords that will prompt you, that will help to make think the whole process a lot easier. Shoe in. I want to say shoe in. Don't shoo in. assume that because you've been in that organisation and you're going for promotion, it will just be a shoe in. You will just get the yeah, job. Yeah. Like Just like what Amanda was saying a little while ago. But And also at the same time, if you are going for a job externally or you're the external candidate and you're going for a job and you're obviously not within the organisation, the school, the education place, then don't assume that just because and you may not always be aware of this most of the time you're not but if they're if you're aware that one of the candidates already works for the mm. organization don't assume that it's a shoe in for them either yeah, yeah and yeah. one quick example that i've real one that i've experienced is when i first started working at the secondary school back in 2009 they kind of did a bit of an apprentice bbc apprentice type thing where they had all the candidates together and the head teacher and i think the assistant head at the time was kind of talking to everyone in general and they had everyone's name and just a bit of information about every candidate. So I worked out that, I think we got this also the day before, one of the potential candidate was actually already working at the school where the head teacher was. So in my mind, I was thinking, oh, that's going to be a shoe in mm. But then actually that person turned up late. Yeah. Uh, that person <laughs> obviously didn't perform well enough. And I really, I think mindset is key as well because I never forget my mindset. I was so up for getting that role it, the fact that it was in in hackney was really important to me and i had links and connections with hackney born and bred there and the fact that it was a school and the opportunity i really in my mind not in an arrogant way but in a really confident way felt that that was my job mm. it's my job not to to lose it's my job to mess up but that essentially is my job so i didn't you know i wasn't although i thought oh is this a shoe-in and then when i realized it definitely isn't a shoe-in I really went for it and um, and I got it. So mindset is a lot of it. Confidence is a lot of it. But of course, you've got to also back it up with the preparation we spoke about. Yeah, and it sounds like that other candidate, the internal candidate, potentially thought it was a shoo-in. Yeah, he wasn't serious. And (laughs) thought, you know what, let me just rock up when I'm ready. They know me. They know what I'm capable of. Let me just, you know, I'll I'll get there. You know what I mean? They know that I've had to deal with whatever in the classroom or whatever somewhere else in the school. So Mm. they'll understand why I'm late. But you've got to be professional at all times. If you're going for an interview, you need to treat it like a proper interview and a serious interview, regardless of who yeah, you're going to so be sitting true. in front of. Because it talks, it speaks about your reputation as well, and it talks about your character. If you are taking it seriously, then you will make sure that you're there on time. You will make sure that you're dressed to the nines. You're, I remember uh, our friend Julian saying, so Julian's a PE teacher, and he went for a job mm. at the school that we worked at. And, you know, PE teachers, they're always in tracksuits or they're always in shorts. There's one particular, always in shorts, regardless of the weather. But team PE, they always wear shorts. Exactly. It's a team PE thing. But, but Julian, 
he went to this interview suited and booted. Yes. Probably a three-piece suit known Julian. Suited and booted, but properly ready. Standing so he up had, straight away, yeah, isn't he? exactly. So he went, he had the interview in his suit, and then when it came to, because again, you know, the type of job, he went for a P um, teacher's role in the secondary school they were opening, and then when it came to doing the lesson, he got changed. He got changed into his into his sports gear, brilliant, brilliant. did the list lesson, then excused himself, got changed back into his suit. That is proper professionalism. Not taking it for granted that oh, they know PE teachers always wear you know uh, always wear tracksuits. Yeah, this yeah. is how this is how we roll type thing. No, he went out there because he had a focus in mind. I want to get this job. I want to impress. I want to make sure they remember me. And the impact that he's made since starting there has been phenomenal Absolutely. and it, it's it's all it's that first impression that makes the difference and if you create the right first impression from the moment even things like when you apply for that job when you write to you know, if you have to request to visit the school you know you have to remember that you yes. are trying to get a job and every person that you speak to along the way will have an impact so when you're phoning the school and saying you know if there's if there's parking space available mm. or you know can i come and visit on this day you need to be polite to that person to answer the phone i know this from experience you know the person answering the phone will will you know have an they'll say oh you know that person's phone is really rude blah blah, blah yeah, yeah really rude and then when your application comes comes in They'll put a little mark on the top. They might put a little mark on the top to say this is the person who was a bit rude, a bit standoffish when they phoned. And although you may still be given a chance if your application form is decent, you've already you you've not endeared yourself towards people that you're going to be working alongside. So you want to make sure that every step of there you're endearing yourself. I remember when I went for my deputy head job and I was sitting in a staff room and there are other staff in there, I was getting into conversation, engaging yeah. conversations, getting to know people, show asking, the, you know, one person who, one of the people that was there who'd worked at the school for years and years. So she'd seen, de- you know, head teachers and deputies come and go. And I didn't know that at the time, but, you know, I had a really comfortable chat with her. And afterwards she said, when I got the job, she said, oh, I really want to get you to get the job because you were so nice, you were so friendly. And it's those little things that make a big yeah. difference. And, and I say fundamentally, we're talking about dealing with people. Yes. When you're in a role, particularly in a primary school, also in a secondary school, in a school, in an education establishment, you are dealing with people. And if ultimately the people side isn't right, then that can undo the whole organisation, yeah, the whole yeah. structure. You could be the best and the strongest candidate at curriculum, at assessment, yeah. behaviour, pastoral, all those key areas. But if you don't get the people side right, yeah. whether it be students or whether it be staff, then you're just, you'll come up a cropper. You yeah. really, really will. Because very often also what the, the panel are looking for, especially the, the head teacher or deputy, whoever's doing that interview, is they're looking for somebody who will fit with the culture of their school as well. So they're thinking yes. to themselves, okay, like you said, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, you're great with curriculum or you're great with assessment. Will they fit with our team? Will they get on with this person? When we were recently advertising, interviewing for, it's not kind of a promotion, but we were recently advertising for teaching assistant roles. And my question to, so it's the same coat and the, the assistant head teacher for inclusion that we're doing the interviews. And when we were doing the shortlisting after the interviews, I was saying, is it somebody do you think you, could, you can line managers, manage? Do you think she'd get on with that class teacher and the other class teacher that she might have to work with in subsequent years? Because if you don't, then it won't work. 
And so you have to make sure that the personality is the right fit for the school. The same way that when you're, that's why it's really important to go and visit a school beforehand, because again, you get a feel for the school. You get a feel for the people that you might have to work with. If you've Absolutely. got the assistant head teacher or the, the, the head teacher that are showing you around, you'll get to know, is this person easy to talk to? Can you ask them questions easily? What is the feel that you get? So you, you have to make sure that you are true to yourself at every step of the way but that you are creating the right impression as you're going along as well. I think that's so true. And I don't want us to get to the end of the podcast, which we are nearly at, and not talk about promotion in its kind of widest sense, because you can, of course, look to get onto the next level, the next pay scale or, you know, the next phase of in terms of promotion, but also look at sometimes sideways moves, as it were, to do other things or to go on certain courses to do certain um, trainings and development that helps you and aid your promotion so I think it's good to look at promotion in the round and sometimes you might not be ready to take on a role that's okay yeah, as well yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time be ambitious and yes. see yourself as the next head teacher in x amount of years time roadmap it and milestone it up until that point and keep your eye on that prize and keep going for it but of course at the same time it takes hard work it takes sometimes more networking or getting to know people or sometimes who you know and, and also what you know. So develop yourself in a holistic way so that you can just ha have more weight and have more tools in your toolkit. Yeah, and I would add to that, the, the key thing really is, this okay, the key thing really is to ha have that spirit of excellence in everything you do. Do not be shoddy in your work. Do not be shoddy in your attitude. Do not be shoddy in your character because... You never know who's watching. You never know who's just kind of keeping an eye on, okay, I, I, because as head teachers, as senior leaders, we know what we've got coming up. We know what roles we've got coming up. We know what roles other people might have coming up in, you know, colleagues in other schools. And so even if you think, oh, okay, there's nothing in this school, you know, there's no, there's no possibility. Mm. If you have shown yourself to be a hard worker, to That's be diligent, to, to get on well with your colleagues and... I might say to you, okay, I don't have anything, but I'm happy to recommend you to my colleague in this school who has this role come out because yes. I think you'll be great at it. So you don't burn your bridges. You know, if you yeah, if you behave if you behave in a way that is is excellent, and I think that's probably what served me well in in my in my in the roles that I've had. You know, whether it's in schools or out of school, is I've done my best to make sure that I have that spirit of excellence in everything that I do because then I know that it will carry me somewhere. Character's important. And um, when it comes to promotion, that will take you a long way. I think we'll probably continue this discussion in next week's show because there's clearly a lot more that we you know, we need to go through in terms of preparation. Yeah, you said a lot. <laughs> I, I, I want to say a bit more. Yeah, but frankly. you gave the floor to me. You said, you know, fill your you boots. You took the whole floor thing. and you went so, into another... And it makes a difference. Another building. Because <laughs> usually it's you. So, Mr Wilson, as we come to the end of this show... The end of part one. Yes. Can we have some final thoughts? You can have one final thought. That's oh, your lot. A final and thought. And it links to kind of what you were saying, really. And it's something that I have posted from Leaders Lessons on Instagram, on Twitter, on my LinkedIn profile, on my WhatsApp. I post it everywhere, every day. A lesson a day. And today's lesson is high expectations are the key to everything. Yes, that's a good one. High expectations. I like that, Mr. Dawson. Yeah, great. Great. We'd love to hear your comments. We'd love to hear what you think. So please remember to leave a comment on whatever 
podcast platform you're listening to this podcast on send us an email at podcast at the cpd show follow us on our socials twitter and instagram at the cpd show and just get involved in the conversation let us know what your tips would be if you're going for promotion what things in the past have helped you or hindered you when you try to go for a promotion we'd love to hear about it and then maybe we can talk about it in the next show but until then it's goodbye from me au revoir stay safe Bye-bye. Cheerio. Later. Bing, bing.